it's Brandi Taylor. Welcome to the Business Beauty Network Podcast, where business meets beauty. It's not just lipstick, it's business. We will share thought-provoking conversations with business and beauty professionals. Our goal is to empower, motivate, and inspire you to take your business to the next level. Hey, it's Brandi Taylor, the business coach for beauty professionals. I help beauty pros amplify their business and take more action. I am super excited to share the Beauty Pro Mastermind with you, a group for serious beauty pros who want to find ways to continue to thrive in their business, a safe place for support, accountability, and education. This group is for beauty professionals who are ready for change in their business, understanding that commitment is required to achieve your goals. You know you need to make a move, but you're unclear and need an extra push. My mission is to empower beauty professionals and equip them to achieve their goals, bringing beauty and business together through support, education, and business resources. Register today for the Beauty Pro Mastermind at IamBrandyTaylor.com and just click on Beauty Pro Mastermind. I will also include the details in the show notes. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I am super excited to share today's episode with you. I had the pleasure in interviewing Anthony Standifer. And Anthony says that beauty is his passion and building profitable beauty brands and businesses is what he loves. And we really had an awesome conversation. I mean, we talked about the beauty industry, marketing, branding, um, you know, starting your own product line, a little bit of current news. We just had a phenomenal conversation. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. Here's a little bit about Anthony. Anthony Sandifer is the co-founder and chief marketing officer for MC Group, a contract manufacturer and marketing agency that specializes in expediting the growth of small business and entrepreneurs in the beauty and personal care space. They have built a seven-figure company launching and supporting the growth for more than 150 brands since 2014. I think you're really going to enjoy this awesome conversation I had with Anthony. And here it goes. Hey, welcome to the podcast. It's your host, Brandy Taylor. And we have an awesome guest today, Anthony Standifer. Welcome, Anthony. Hey, Brandy. Thank you. Thanks for being on. I'm super excited to talk to you today. Anthony, I like to start with like a fun fact. So tell us something about yourself that most people would not know. Ooh, fun facts. Okay, I like that. Um, I don't know if it's that most people don't know it, but it's really an odd thing. I love travel. And when I tell people that I love travel, like, oh, yeah, I like to travel, too. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I like the process of traveling. I like the process of being in a car, going to the airport, being on an airplane, being on a train. Like, being in motion is something that is, like, very, very soothing for me. And I look for opportunities (laughs) to get in motion and to get on a plane or to get in a car and drive. Um, and so, you know, while I do love the destinations that I go to frequently, I actually really love the process of being in transit <laughs> as well. <laughs> now that is different because I don't, I don't like the process of being in transit. I, yeah. I like, I like when I get to my destination, Absolutely. Right? but you know, like being on an airplane, getting the bags, going through all, I don't know. It's just oh, like people stress out and I'm like in a Zen zone. I'm like, Oh, there's like people. It's like, for me, it's like being in a coffee shop at that point. It's like, well, there's all these people around me doing stuff that doesn't have anything to do with me probably so I can just kind of be in my own little bubble in my own little world and at the end of that I end up in some really new exciting hopefully beautiful place 
Awesome, awesome. Well, hopefully you'll be able to do some more traveling oh, soon. So. That is interesting because, um, yeah. like I said, I like to travel too, but the mm. the whole you know process they can yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I, yeah, I haven't been anywhere in, in months. So yeah, this, this pandemic life has said, sat down <laughs> so yeah. here in the house, following instructions as best as possible. Right, right. We all have, but hopefully we'll get you back on the road traveling soon. Yay. <laughs> Great. So tell us a little bit about your background. I know you, um, you know, have a passion for the beauty industry. So, you know, tell us what it is that you do in the beauty industry and a little bit about your background. Gotcha. Yeah, so I am somebody that's been in the, the industry now for just at 20 years. That's like, ooh, to say that, it means like I'm not the young spry one anymore, but it's okay. Um, but I've found my passion early on as a young adult um, and coming into the beauty space. And over the course of that 20-year time frame, I've been very, very fortunate um, where I spent most of my career working for big multinational companies on the marketing and brand management side. And so I was fortunate enough to work for a small family-owned business, or not even really small, but a a legacy family-owned business, Luster Products, very early in my career. Um, The people that make pink oil and S-Curl and PCJ and all of those um, heritage, always been in the house kinds of products if you're African-American. But then I've also spent a good deal of my career working for even larger multinational companies like Revlon. Um, and managing brands like Cream of Nature, African Pride, Lot of Body, and some other household favorites, um, both here in the U.S. and um, in some international locations as well. Um, for the last five and a half years, though, I have taken the great jump with another business partner, and I am co-founder and chief marketing officer for MC Group. And MC Group is a hybrid company. We are essentially a contract manufacturer of beauty and personal care products which just is a fancy way of saying we formulate and manufacture products, but we don't put our own labels on it. We put the labels of our customers on it. Um, And in addition to the the product development and manufacturing, we also offer marketing and brand support services to help small businesses and customers that are growing in the space to navigate efficiently so that they can essentially utilize the resources that many big companies use, but they can do it at a scale that works for them as smaller businesses. It's awesome. Very interesting. You started out, did you do marketing for these companies like Crema Nature? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. so yeah, so I was a marketing person. Yep. So, so I'm a brand so manager a brand and a marketer for both of them. Okay. Yep. So when, so is marketing like what you went to school for? Is that what you have the background in? <laughs> I wish. No, I am. I'm like most people I went and I have, I have a history degree. <laughs> So I have a college education. Um, I went to college to to, um, study science, figured out that that was not my shtick. Then I thought, oh, I want to be a lawyer. And I found out that was not my shtick. And then I was like very, very like super focused on graduating in four years. Um, The best decision, however, that I made in my undergraduate career was every semester, whether it was during the year or during the summer, is I took internships. And so internships then help validate things that help to validate things that I didn't like or things that I had an interest in. And so I figured out I didn't want to work in science. I didn't want to be an attorney. I didn't want to be a teacher. But my final internship was a marketing communications job for a telecom, telecom company. And I was like, oh, my God, I really like this. And I was super fortunate in the sense that my senior year internship then turned into a full time job. And so I was offered a position doing um, what I was really, really enjoying, and I was making 
a stupid amount of money at that time <laughs> doing what I was just really interested and curious about. Interesting. But so how did you end up going the, the beauty route? The beauty route. So um, so my initial telecom job was marketing communications. Um, I was fresh out of undergrad, working my first job in the middle of about, I'd been working for the company like two and a half years, maybe even three at that point, when I got caught in a wave of layoffs. And so at the time that I got laid off, um, I always tell the story of I got caught into my manager's office and a bunch of people had been laid off. So it was like no surprise what was going to happen. But the surprise was they laid me off and they offered me a severance package. And I was like, you mean you're going to like pay me to leave? <laughs> they said, yeah, you know, well, this is just, you know, for your years of service and yada, yada, yada. And I was like, okay. And so I'm 23 at the time, like, okay, I just got fired from my job, but I got a severance package. Like, this is amazing. So I, I left that day and I was like, okay, I don't know what to do because I don't have a job right now. Um, I live in Chicago and Chicago is a big hub and I thought it would be a really great place to explore beauty because I thought that was interesting and I had the desire at that time to work for a black owned company because I live in Chicago. There were several companies that I could choose from <laughs> to at least reach out to. So literally the, the day I got laid off, I went home and put my resume together, sent off like three or four emails and Lester Products called me back. Um, and so that was my entry into the beauty space as an associate brand manager for them. And it was literally the thing that clicked because as soon as I got in there and started doing the work that was in the beauty space, combined with the marketing that they were doing, it was like, oh my God, I love this. Awesome. Awesome. That's interesting. Interesting story. You, you know, I haven't met too many people who do the marketing side of beauty. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an amazing, um, it's, I've been, again, fortunate in the sense that the marketing, which most people in today's environment think, oh, well, marketing is really about um, the promotions and the advertising and, you know, the social media and the digital advertising. And while, yes, that is part of it, um, within traditional companies, if you are a brand manager, you are essentially responsible for the profitability of the products and the brands that you manage. And so part of that is, yes, those promotional elements and the design and the pretty parts, but essentially you're responsible for maintaining the profit profitability and the growth of the products that you manage. And you do that in partnership with a lot of other people, whether it's sales or retailers or um, e-commerce or whatever avenues you're using to distribute the product. But at the end of the day, you want to say to the people that you're managing products on behalf that, hey, I've taken your brand from this point and I've grown it to this point from both a top line sales perspective as well as a bottom line profitability. And that becomes the true mark of a true brand management position and a brand manager who's effectively managing and stewarding the brands and the products that they're that they're managing. Awesome. Awesome. So tell me, um, like, what has been the biggest lesson you've learned in your entrepreneurial journey? Because I know now you have your own marketing firm and you're helping, mm -hmm. companies, uh, helping small businesses build their own brands and things of that nature. So big moments or big lessons for me. Um, there's a lot. The one that comes to mind, top of mind, particularly as it relates to a lot of smaller businesses in today's environment, is that great ideas are great ideas, but they really have to be scalable and profitable. Um, so many people say, oh my gosh, I have this, and because I work with a lot of small companies and people who are just starting out, which is what I love, 
Um, I frequently am approached by business owners who say, yeah, I've been in business a couple years or a couple months. You know, I'm selling, and this is a hypothetical number, you know, I'm selling $1,000 or so a month. And I go, great. Like you've got a really, you know, an extra $1,000 a month is great. And then I say, well, what's the gross margin on that? And sometimes that is then like a foreign term when we talk about gross margins. Then I say, well, just what's the profit on that? Um, And then we start to talk about, well, the difference between um, you making $1,000, but you've spent $950 to do that when you add up the cost to to make the products, the time and the cost to promote the products, you've essentially spent your month to make $50. And that's an extreme example, but it gets down to that kind of conversation when we talk about the idea that your great idea is great, but really the secret sauce in all of this is making, how do you take that idea and make it a profitable business? And then when you make it profitable, then how do you make it scalable so that you can generate more profit over time? And that's where it gets a little bit complicated for entrepreneurs, but my professional background, because I had worked for these big companies in the past, was really drilled into me that you know, the end of the day, your, your P&L is really what determines your viability um, and whether you, you, you could be in a, in a situation where your sales aren't that great. But if your profitability is great, <laughs> then what does it matter? You're, at the end of the day, we're all making money. And that's what um, is the true mark and measure of successful beauty businesses that last over time. Yeah, I think across the board, like even when it comes to beauty services, um, just the beauty industry across the board, especially in the African-American community. I talk to a, a lot of people who just really don't count up the cost of operating business. They really, they, they don't know their numbers. They don't understand, you know, um, that you need to definitely, in order to even set your prices, you need to look at, you know, your cost, how to pay yourself and what is it going to cost to run this business? And then, you know, and then to sustain it. And a lot of times um, people in our community don't look at those when it comes to like running their salons, when it Correct. comes to running their beauty brands, any of that. Why do you think that is? I think it's just we haven't been we haven't been taught. It's not a it's not a lack of passion. It's not a lack of resourcefulness. It's not a lack of chutzpah and work ethic. Um, it is literally a matter of training and then the discipline that comes along after that training to say, and you make a great example because my original background was a, amongst professional hairstylists um, in the marketing industry. And so I have a great love for people who provide professional services, who stand on their feet or stand and provide a physical service where it's literally them delivering you know, the services that that get issued. And so we know how to to, to, to make beauty happen. There's no doubt about it. But it's then the, okay, you just spent 10 hours on your feet. And yes, you generated this money from those transactions over the course of that 10 hours of the day. But now how do we take that and how do we make that more efficient? You know, how can we book more clients or book less clients and make more money? Um, and what type of stylist are you? And so over time, how much have your prices increased? I talked to a ton of stylists who are now in their, you know, 40s and 50s 
who still stand on their feet every day. And, you know, and they know that it's breaking their bodies down, but, you know, they were good at something early on and they generated a craft, but now it's like, well, how do I get away from this? And so when we talk about, okay, it's taking your skill set and then expanding it beyond that, you know, how can you then become an educator or how can you then take the skill sets that you have and ad generate additional sources of revenue that over time may become the escape route so that you're not physically standing on your feet you know, doing hair 10 hours a day at 55 and trying to figure out, you know, well, what are you going to do over the next 10 or 15 years when you actually want to retire and go off and do what the world tells us we should do, which <laughs> is retire and live in the, in the sunset. But you should have that, that, that golden season where you're not working as hard and sometimes in service-based businesses without the initial intention that says, yes, you're good at this today, but you gotta be thinking about what happens in three years from now, what happens in five years from now, and what happens in 10 years from now, and what small things can you do today that are gonna impact that so that you're not working 10 years from now doing the same exact thing that you're great at, but then it's starting to wear on you as, a, as an individual or physically or mentally or whatever the capacity is that um, anything that you do over time takes on you. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think now more than ever, um, the beauty industry is starting to see that we you need to pivot. And so I talk to uh, like makeup artists, lash tech style, hairstylists all the time about, you know, not no longer can we afford to put all of our eggs in one basket. No longer can we just say, oh, I just do hair or I just do nails or I just do makeup. Like we need to, you know, make sure that we're set up, like you said, for retirement later. Like we can't do this forever or positioning ourselves to not necessarily work in our business anymore, but maybe work on our business, but not in our business. Correct. So what are some ways that you see you know, beauty professionals can pivot and market themselves and brand themselves now that we need to make a shift in the change? You know, like, like here, I don't know, like, in your area, but here we're not even, the salons still aren't open yet. Correct. So still, because it's, it's too much, you can't do a social distance haircut, right? So it's not happening. So they're not open yet. So we need to really position ourselves when we go back, there's like PPE, there's a lot of things, but how can we start to pivot and to market ourselves, you know, in a different way so that we can be better prepared for retirement, better prepared to work on our business is not and not in our business. Correct. So I think so it's two I have two things to that. So this this pandemic shut us down completely and it has lent itself to extreme resourcefulness amongst service-based businesses. Because again, if you're a hairstylist, what do you do when you can't legally go into the salon? Um, now, I know some folks that are, that are taking the risk and are like, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing clients to the house and we're going to duke it out because they, you know, are calling and are willing to set the appointments. And I'm like, wow, OK, I don't put a judgment on that because at the end of the day, people have to financially provide for themselves. But again, it puts you in a really precarious situation where you don't even have the option to say, I can't not work right now. Um, but then I know some stylists that got real crafty with it <laughs> and crafty was, okay, I can't come to your house and do it, but we literally are going to sit on zoom and you're going to pay me to walk you through doing your own hair because I, one person that I know runs a business and he charges pretty premium prices for the, um, the styles that he does and the services that he provides. And so he knows that most of his clients are not do it yourself people. 
So they are not the people that want to go and do it because they will religiously come to him or some other person to get these services done. And so when put in this situation where they couldn't go anywhere, he decided that, well, guess what? I'm going to start taking Zoom appointments and I'm literally going to walk you through how to color your hair today because <laughs> I know you're due for a color treatment. So you're going to go buy your color. I'm going to walk you through it and we're going to spend an hour together do, doing that. Um, he, he, he said he was trying to figure out ways to, to walk people through doing haircuts and trims, basic styles, so that he was literally taking these, quote unquote, high maintenance clients who don't want to be do-it-yourself people and saying, this is how we're going we're gonna to pull you through this pandemic. So it's, it's about resourcefulness at some points and what we can figure out in the middle of all of the craziness. This, unfortunately, is something that just got thrust upon us. So there was no pre-warning and no time to really prepare. Um, at this point, however, the second part of that question is then, what do you do going forward? And everybody has a vision for themselves, even if they're not sure what the exact thing is. And so I, I encourage curiosity, like who is doing something now that you think is interesting? Even if you're not doing it, do you know another stylist that's like, hey, how are they able to live in two different cities as a hairstylist? Like, that's just interesting. Like you literally have a place in New York and then you got a place in some other city or Detroit or whatever that is. And if that's something that interests you, then it's that kind of curiosity is what you explore. Reaching out to those people, starting to follow those people, then looking online to see if there's any training or education that then mimics what you're attempting to do. And so I'm all about research what you can and then reach out where you can't find. And so when you reach out, then you're saying to people, hey, my name is Anthony. I follow you on Instagram. I think that what you do is amazing. I'm a local stylist in Chicago. And I find the fact that you are between L.A. and New Orleans fascinating. Would you be open to just having a 10 minute conversation with me? How did you get started with that? How did you build your base of clients? Whatever that is. And so you may have to do that. 20 times because not everybody's going to respond back and welcome you with open arms. But I do find that if you are consistent with it and sincere with it and you keep that curiosity going, that at least in my experience from a learning perspective, I very much like having tangible people that I can reach out to, but that doesn't eliminate that I got to do the online work or the, 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 the non-people research to show that I've at least studied and looked at what the possibilities are. And so really the combination of those two is how I've used to, to really expand and further my own education areas where I wasn't clear. And then when I got clear, I was like, okay, well, let me at least see what it is. And sometimes you find out like, no, nah, I just don't want to do that. And that's cool because <laughs> that's what the research phase should be about. But then once you're in motion and you're getting things done, you may figure out like, wow, this is amazing. It isn't as difficult as I thought. And then other people have the ability to then help you um, because it doesn't, people feel, and particularly myself, when I find people that I have, see have a genuine curiosity and are willing to take advice and take action on advice, I am more inclined to pour into those people because then I'm like, okay, this is somebody that I'm not just speaking words over that's just taking it and using it or taking it and doing nothing with it, but they're taking it and they're taking action and they're giving feedback. And then that as a giver makes me feel good. So I'm like, well, let me give them more <laughs> because it helps their journey. overall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. So now that you, um, I know you're, you're on the marketing side of beauty and you have your own company as well. I know companies have had to shift the way they're doing their marketing. So what have you seen shift on the marketing side? 
So what I tell, have told all of my customers that have listened <laughs> in the middle of pandemic and then now in the middle of revolt and dealing with the things that are happening in the streets of our city is instead of being a brand that's selling a product, be a person that acknowledges the reality of today. Um, and so now for me is not the time to lead with product sales, features and benefits, your 20% discount, your also natural never before seen service. It's not the time to lead with that. Now is the time for empathy. Now is the time for connection to people. Now is the time to sow seed into people to say, wow, I'm experiencing what you're experiencing right now and being truthful in the sense where if you don't have answers, just say, I don't know what to do. Um, I just had a conversation with a client um, probably about an hour ago. She's a Haitian woman, Haitian American woman. And she said, and we just had a whole conversation. And she said, I, I bet I was crying this morning because I looked at my two boys who are pre-teenagers and I don't know what to say to them. Mm-hmm. And I said, I get it. And, I, and so now at this time, it's not about me providing marketing consulting services. It's about me experience sharing and saying, well, here was my experience because I've had the talk given to me um, as a teen, as a young boy by a mother and what that was like and what that experience was like. And so the conversation wasn't about services. Now, is this a client who's going to give me money? Absolutely, yes. Because <laughs> I'm good at what I do and I've proven to her that we're good at what we do. But I didn't want to have a, a financial transaction conversation. It was really about having a human connection conversation. And I do believe that those good human connections and the resourcefulness of those, when it is time to then transact business, that people will remember that. Because now I'm doing business with somebody that I know and somebody that I like. And right. I don't have to sell to people that I know and I like. I just show up. <laughs> because you know me and you like me. When it's time to do business, it's super easy to do it. We will do it faster than me coming out telling you, oh, my agency, we do this. And my digital marketing strategies are this. And I think the discounts of 20% will do this for your business. Like, no. When you know me and you like me, you just say, Anthony, this is what I got. What can you do for me? Right. I think, I wonder if a lot of people are struggling with that. And what I mean is, it's like, for the longest time, I didn't know if I should touch it or not. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I try not to get too political. I try not to say, you know, too many controversial things with my business. Absolutely. And, and so, but I had to, you know, I had to, I had to, had to touch on it. And I think it's interesting that you say, don't lead with your sales. Like you're 20% off right now. Don't lead with that, you know, have compassion, talk about what people, what, what people are dealing with real issues. Correct. And and, um, and I think people will like you more because they'll know that you care. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. And 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 this happens at a small level. And I'm with you because I I will avoid a contentious you know political conversation because quite honestly I don't want to argue with you about how I completely disagree. And this is with other black people. <laughs> so, right, right. so it's not even it's not even that I'm skirting around you know non-black people. Sometimes sometimes I'm just like I don't want to have these conversations where possible. But, but, but I think we have to recognize that the time that we're in is, is extreme and extraordinary. And so there hasn't been a time like this, at least in our, in our livable lifetime that we can recall and touch to. And so recognizing that, then it's, I think it gives us the, the push to say, it may be time to have that conversation and to be uncomfortable in that. 
I'm having active conversations in my personal life with like, well, what do we feel about looting and rioting? And what is our position on that? And so while I'm not going to have the exact same conversation with my customers and, you know, with, with other people, I am going to have the conversation. My language might be different, but I do think that it's, it gives context. So when people say, oh my gosh, you know, this writing just takes away from the, 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 the ultimate message. And I go, well, what do you expect? I mean, and then we can have that conversation and I can share my opinion. And if there is some contention in that, so be it. Um, but I think the time has dictated that we got to be truthful and honest. And even if we disagree, I'm happy to say, listen, I'm, I'm not 100% there with you, but I get where you're coming from. Definitely. And yes. then hopefully we can move to the next part of that, which is when it is time to transact business, we at least know who we are and we've at least demonstrated a respect for where we are in the spectrum of things and can then still do business. Because again, we do business with people all the time when we you know, don't know or don't disagree with their politics or their philosophies on life or their sexuality or their anything. Um, we always have these areas of contentions that we're maneuvering around. So this is just about bringing it forward. And you know, I'm, I'm always trying to operate from a perspective of, um, of kindness and empathy because <laughs> my position is my position, but I'm still gonna be kind and I'm still gonna try to be empathetic with people as we do engage. And so I, I wanna lead with that. And now has been a really, really good time to just talk to people and talk to people. And it is amazing me, that's how we have ended up in this conversation is because I just wanna talk to people. And so I'm reaching out and saying, hey, what's going on in your world? Can we have a conversation? And, and most of the time it is no response or no, but on the occasion that it is a yes, then it gives an opportunity to do something small or do something big. You never know. Yeah. And I think it's better for us to talk and to be open about these things instead of ignoring it and acting like, because we've been scooting it out of the rug for so long, like it's not going anywhere. It's you know? It's not so, going anywhere. And the time it said, we ain't going nowhere. And the masses of the people in the country said, mm -mm, not today. Right. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. So what are you seeing right now? Uh, what do you think is trending in beauty? Um, you know, what's, what's to come? So I'm super passionate about people who are finding pockets to go into and are, are taking a small area of beauty and really, really focusing in on it. Um, examples. Um, many people come in and say, hey, I want to launch this product. Um, and I want to do an all-natural hair care product. And I go, okay, we can have that conversation, but do know that I've had 30 other conversations this week on natural hair. So let's be a little more specific about what we think and what part of natural hair care we want to talk about. Um, but people and entrepreneurs that I think get into really niche, small pockets, and they say, I know this small set of people but I can super serve them with a product or a solution, I believe are the people that have the ability to then later scale at a more rapid pace because most of us are not operating with, you know, huge budgets. And as I say, you're not Tracy Ellis Ross mm -hmm. to say, here I am <laughs> and here's right. my amazing launch. So how do you take what you have and really make it matter? And the places where that's happening, I see most rapidly are people that are being really, really specific about what they're doing in, in the space. And so I, I, 
I had a conversation with a young person who says, listen, I want to talk about brows and not just like shaping and coloring brows, but I want to talk about moisturizing brows. And I was like, I've never heard of that. And I love it. <laughs> so, you know what, <laughs> I got a funny for you. Why did, you know, I get warm inside when you said moisturizing brows. Do you know my brows flake? <laughs> it's terrible. Like my skin is so dry. My brows literally flake. Yeah. Moisturizing brows, exactly. And so right. that is something that's so like super targeted, but I'm like, that is amazing. And so if you're a first time entrepreneur or have a small business, like the fact that you said, listen, I'm talking to your brows. We'll deal with your other parts of your body later. But today it's all about this brow action. And again, the more we had conversation, it was a similar thing. Like I have naturally dry skin and yes, I'm only putting on something on my face once a day, but my brows are still there. But I make sure that my brows get extra product during the course of the day because that's important to me. But that those products then have the potential to lead to some excessive dryness and flaking and, and problems. So I was like, great, then you have a whole thing and there's a tribe of people that are out there that are waiting for you to come with your solution. And so the ability to be really specific about the problems that you want to address and the community, I think then offers a tremendous opportunity to then establish a point of difference. It's not where you have to be forever, but you just want to say, well, what do you get known for? And what's that first thing that people anchor themselves onto? And how amazing could it be that you have a, you know, a multi-million dollar business? Like, that's, that's the brow person over there. That's the brow lady. She was moisturizing my brows since 2020. And I was like, Lord, I didn't even know my brows needed these things, this kind of care, but it has been beautiful since then. So that's what I, I think is a, is a trend that I'd like to see um, explored a lot more because it's easier to say, well, let me just go to Target or Walmart or Sephora and see what's out there right now and just do a version of that. Because <laughs> right. I tried those products on the shelf and I didn't like them. So now I'm going to just come up with another version of that same thing that they were trying to address as opposed to really thinking about like what interesting problem can I offer a solution to and being real specific about that. Yeah, I, I think that's great. I always talk to, because I'm a, a coach, and I coach beauty professionals, and I always talk about, like, really finding a niche and niching down. And now I've been talking a lot about also um, not just finding a niche, but really finding a need, like serving a need, like figuring out what do your clients need right now that you can offer. So really, you know, being the solution to whatever problem that they're having at this moment, thinking about that. So niching is good. A lot of people, especially in the beauty industry, sometimes I talk to people, they get a little bit like, you know, they because a lot of times beauty professionals, as a cosmetologist, you're licensed to do a lot of things. So you feel like you need to show that you can do this, you can do that, you can do that. But a lot of the people who usually make the most money is the lady who she do the baddest, coldest weave, but she specializes in weave. And that's all she do is weave. She oh, weaves all day. Yeah. And the lady who cut hair and she got those pixie cuts, you know, those are usually the people that are making money because they have found a niche and people come to them and they know their market and they know how to speak to that market. So I definitely think that is I'm with important. That. I am so with that. And it is, it is, again, to be great at everything, like, yeah, okay. Like there's some people that do that, but to be amazing at like one or two things and to anchor yourself in that, in that space. And it's not to say, again, as a service professional, you know, if you're an amazing colorist, which I do think is a, is a thing, particularly if you're in the curly hair, natural hair community, 
Um, if you're a stylist and you really want to do some amazing things, coloring is wide open. And I'm not just talking about like basic colors. If you can truly become a, a colorist expert, you know, back in the day day when um, people were relaxing their hair and, and doing things in the 90s and the early 2000s, um, there was a community of stylists who were really super focused on being colorists. And the idea of having color and relaxed hair was something that they were really specialists at and how to have the two together, which we know was very difficult to do. Mm -hmm. But in today's current state, um, there's a couple people, but I just don't think there's as many people that are talking to the natural hair community who will do a color if it can be done safely and can talk to, to that community. So that's a, a whole nother side note um, about a trend that I think could be and a white space that could be could be explored. But to your earlier point, it is. It's about, I think, specialty and, and having a niche. And it doesn't say that just because you do amazing color that you can't cut my hair, because yes, you can. But if I, if, if I have to walk in the door and ask for something, and I want to come and say, yeah, this is somebody that does this excellent and exceptionally. And because they do this exceptionally, I don't have a problem with them then doing and offering other services or products to them. Yeah, it's interesting that you brought up the whole color thing, because one of my coaching clients is specializes in color. And I really um, had helped her to really focus on color, because I think, you know, with her whole brand, she was all over the place when she really loves color. And that's something that she's really great at. Mm -hmm. And now even that she's been focusing on talking about color more, posting more pictures of her color work, she's been, you know, getting more traction. Yeah. So, it, it, and I think um, we definitely need more people to specialize in color and healthy hair. Absolutely. Us, right? And it's such a technical thing, because let me tell you, as somebody who previously, I managed brands, um, Cream of Nature, um, had a hair color line, and the science and the chemistry that comes along with taking your natural pigment, lifting it to a certain level, the timing, the pH, the, 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 all of the chemicals that go along with, or the science that goes along with that process is very above the average person's head. And if you can master that and understand that at a technical, scientific, and then a practical, like this is how we do it everyday level, you establish yourself head and shoulders above most people, because even most stylists, <laughs> even as licensed cosmetologists, don't necessarily drill down at the granular expertise level of what is color and how to truly execute it on naturally curly hair and the nuances that come along with that. Yes, definitely, definitely. Now, I want to dive a little bit into uh, what you do. So you help uh, with product formulation and people to launch their own product lines. Mm -hmm. Now, this is great because I really want to dive into it because I know a lot of people that are looking at that right now. Like, how can I get a product? You know, how can I launch my own line? How can I formulate it? How can I create it? And a lot of times when I've done my research, I talked to like a cosmetic chemist and I mean, it was like $25,000 to get started. So yeah, <laughs> I want to kind of like talk to you because I know you're helping people, you know, do this. And a lot of people want to go this route. Like, so I want to kind of talk about a little bit about what you offer and what you do on that. Side. Gotcha. Okay, so I'll do the, the the shameless plug and then I'll talk in theory in general. So because I can't service everybody, but I'm happy to, 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 to provide information. Um, so within my company, MC Group, um, we have a formulating lab. My business partner is an amazing person. She's a cosmetic chemist. Um, and so she um, and her team are able to formulate products either within our stock formulation process or completely from scratch to then make people's visions come to life. 
Um, most of what we then formulate and manufacture is in the hair care and the skincare area. So mostly liquids and creams. I can do some other formats, but primarily in those two categories. So I do not manufacture or formulate color cosmetics um, at this point, and then some other FDA regulated um, types of products. Um, so that just is what we do in, in our normal course of business. And part of what we knew um, between myself and my business partner, Erica, when we started the company, we knew that people that looked like us in terms of black and brown people were already very, very underserved. And so the idea of having a conversation with a chemist who says it's $25,000 just to start, you're like, first of all, I don't have that money. Or if I do have that money, that's all the money I have. And so how do I then even support and see my vision come to life? And so MSEED um, then was formulated with the, the, the aspiration of providing access and resources to those underserved entrepreneurs. So we, um, within our company, then we do custom formulations and stock formulations, a lot less expensive than that. We come up with a couple of different options that then allow people to choose what they want in the form of either stock products that then give you the lowest cost of entry for your formulation. But a stock product is a stock product. So you then are saying, hey, I want to add my own little fragrance to it and my own maybe key ingredient. And then that's it because the formulation is then already formulated from that perspective. Um, and then it, when it comes to then custom formulations, because I do believe that um, the greatest asset that we have as entrepreneurs is our intellectual property. And so formulations are a part of that. And so if you've got the best edge gel, then I want you to have that formula and I want that formula to be yours. And so we've offered um, a couple of different options for people to lower the cost um, for having custom formulations. It's still a couple of thousand dollars to do, so it's not like it's super inexpensive, but it's not um, $25,000 or $10,000 to do it. So it, it varies based on, based on product. So that's the, the MC pitch. And then within our company, we also do small batch manufacturing. And so I'm a place that you can come. And if you say, listen, I just need 500 units of something or 250 units of this product. No problem. I will make 250 units for you. Custom formula or stock formula, put the labels on it, buy the bottles, get all of that, put it on the assembly line and ship it to you um, as a complete product that you can then go to market with. You then recognize because I'm producing for you at, at low volume that your price per piece is going to be higher than if you were buying 5,000 units of that same item. Because I, as a, as a manufacturer, I then got to go buy your materials and the suppliers are going to say, you want $250 of this great plastic bottle? Well, great. That's a $3 bottle. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, I can get that bottle for 80 cents if I buy 5,000 of them. So you're experiencing the economies of scale just like I am. And so 250 units of something is more expensive than, than 5,000. But you then have the ability to then get into the market with your idea um, and to see it come to life and then to get the feedback from customers. And as long as you're pricing yourself appropriately, then you have the ability to still have a profitable business from the beginning. And it just gets more profitable the bigger your business goes. So that's the MC version of it. The same principles apply even if you're going someplace else. The biggest thing that you want to know from your contract manufacturer is a few things. Um, who owns the formulation? <laughs> Be very clear. Like, do they own it or do you own it? And that's an important that's an important point because your manufacturer is your business partner. Whether you like them, love them, or hate them, <laughs> they are the person who is delivering product to you. And just like any other relationship, sometimes there's ebbs and flows in the process of, of doing business with someone. So who owns that, who owns that formula? Um, and then the second part is then like based on the volume, 
you know, the, the blanket question of well, how much does it cost is a bit tricky. The, 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 the better way I suggest people ask it is, I'd like 200 and 500 units of it. How much does that cost? Um, or what is the minimum you require in order for me to do business with you? And what is that minimum cost? And so those are then questions that allow people as a manufacturer to come back and say, okay, great, you want 500 units, this is what the cost is gonna be, or um, we don't do 500 units, <laughs> and we need your minimums to be 1,500 units or 5,000 units, and it gives you then as a, as, a, as a business and as a brand or somebody that's starting enough information to build on. I think that's great, great information. Now, um, does your company help with the whole process? Like, you, so I get my formulations together. I'm going to make this edge control. Now I got to do the website. Then I got to market it. I got to brand it. I got to get it out there. Um, do you help with that whole process as well? We okay. We do. So that's the second part of the business. So then the product development and manufacturing is part one. And then part two is that we then support entrepreneurs by building websites, developing digital strategies. Um, so we essentially become an outsourced marketing department for small companies. Um, and so I encourage then businesses to make, make a laundry list. Like, what is it that you think you're going to need for your business? And then we are able to tell you the areas that we can help in or maybe not help in, but then direct you to places where you can go. And I found it um, tremendously fulfilling because I'm telling you, as entrepreneurs, we are resourceful people. So I, I have customers that say, listen, I can build a website, but the website's going to cost you this. And they're like, mm, I'd rather save that money <laughs> and hire you to do my digital advertising instead. And so I'm going to go build my own website and figure out how to do this on Squarespace or on Shopify or some other platform. And I'm like, great. I will send you the links of the people who are doing it themselves so that you have at least a, a, a semi-tutorial on what you're doing so that you can truly allocate your resources as efficiently as possible. Because at the end of the day, um, owning a business is all about how are you solving today's problems. And there's always a problem, always a problem. And it's just a matter of, is that something that you can address in a very simple way? Or is it something that you got to roll up your sleeves and go seek some counsel and get some advice on? But, you know, we're always dealing with a set of issues or circumstances that we kind of didn't expect for the day. Um, and the true mark of a good business owner is their ability, him or her, to um, address those problems as the day goes on. Yes, yes. I think it's absolutely great what you're doing for small businesses, because I know, especially now in the beauty industry, a lot of people are trying to figure out ways to pivot. A lot of people are looking at, okay, how can I start my own product line and do it affordably? And this is a great time to do that, especially when, you know, you know, with everything that's going on and a lot of people not um, able, you know, being able to service their clients. And then it's a new normal. You know, it's a new normal. Now when we go back, you know, will we have to wear masks and gloves to provide our services? There may be a, a limited amount of people that you can have in the salon when you're providing a service. So you need to start thinking about other ways to make income and having your own product line because people are always going to need products for their hair or products for their skin and everything. And, you know, skincare, I'm glad you do skincare because I, everyone wants to make a product for your hair, but there's not a lot of small businesses that focus on skin. Boom, boom. You're going to make me throw this, this laptop. <laughs> yes. And so um, the, you are a thousand percent correct. So um, hair care is a very competitive industry right now. And amongst people of color, particularly black women, um, hair care is a great place to participate, but there are a lot of people there. 
I don't discourage people from participating. I do let them know, hey, just recognize that you're going to walk into a room with a lot of people in it already. So it makes your job as a brand owner um, much more important that you establish your point of difference, which then goes back to that whole niche conversation we were having. Skincare, however, you the, at least half the number of people there. And if you can talk to specific issues or concerns that are relevant to your niche audience in skincare, it is, it's an amazing space to be in. And so there's a lot, a lot of opportunity in that space. And so, yes, we do formulate um, both body care and facial care, and it's a great, great market. Um, and it's a place that isn't as, as, as crowded, but there are unique needs that are specific to certain people. And if you can identify what those are and what you want your solution to be, then great. The other thing that I also tell people while, while speaking to this niche, the niche doesn't have to be something that you experience directly. You know, so many of our brand stories are authored or gener generated because we directly or our children had this issue. And so we were forced to then go and look for that. Um, it doesn't have to be. If you're a person who pays attention and really looks at what other people are experiencing, then you have the ability to still do the same thing without it being, you know, we don't all need a, I was on the verge of death and then I took aloe and threw it on my body and now my life is, is the same. That does not have to be your story. You just have to be perceptive enough to say, listen, I'm noticing that this is happening and I'm seeing it either in my immediate circle of people that I can touch and feel or I'm seeing it um, in social media with people that they're talking about it because I'm visually or, or audibly hearing it and this could be something. Let me take a look and see if there's something there. So please, please just be um, observant, regardless of if it's your own story or if it's not your story, but you see other people having it, it's a great place to then really, again, hone in on what problem you want to solve. And I like that you brought up that point. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be a problem that you've dealt with, with yourself or with your family. It could just be an issue that you see that there's a need for it. Correct. Correct. Because again, I, I go back to the brow story. I don't, you know, I don't think I have brow problems, but if you tell me that long enough, I'll be like, well, I'm sure I can find. And it's so interesting that in saying that example, you have instantly said like, oh my God, I've noticed that my own brows are there. So that to me becomes a trigger. Like, okay, we, this person may be onto something because it's an interesting pain point that doesn't have to be a hundred percent of the population. But if there's 30 million people in the country, and you can speak to a million of them. <laughs> right. A million times your retail price is a pretty good space to start as an entrepreneur with a first-time product, or even if you're somebody who's out there in the market with a product already, to re-pivot and realign your product on what you see as a, a real opportunity. Great, great. Anthony, we could talk forever. Yeah, this has been good. A couple this more, been good. I know we could talk forever, but we're going to be wrapping up short by a couple cool. more things I want to ask you before we do. So I know you have a podcast, so I want to talk a little bit about your podcast. Okay, yeah. So tell us about that. So I, I started <laughs> about a year and a half ago. Um, I was like, oh, you know, I do these consulting consultations with small businesses, and I sure wish there was a way that I could give information um, so that I don't have to have an individual conversation because I can only talk to so many people in the course of a day or a week. And so that then birthed the idea of a podcast that I previously was not big on podcast. Um, but when I started my business five years ago, somebody recommended them and it has become my 
passion <laughs> that I love this form of disseminating information. So about a year and a half ago, I launched Driving the Business, Beauty Brands and Entrepreneurship with Anthony Standifer. Um, the podcast is designed to just be a resource and it is um, a mixture of me providing information and content on specific topics within beauty. Um, and then it's also a mixture and a hybrid of just interesting people that I know or that I would like to know that I invite to, to participate in the podcast to really serve people who are either starting their own brands, are working for other companies, even though it is about entrepreneurship specifically. I tell everybody, it, everybody's not designed to be an entrepreneur <laughs> and you shouldn't feel bad about it. If you love having a job and love the security that's associated with having a job, then be exceptional at that because if you can be a valuable resource as entrepreneurs, we love you the most <laughs> or should love you the most. And so the podcast is designed just to provide information around the beauty space, around a variety of topics, um, I'm random and long-winded, as you can already tell. So it is just a really good time of just talking to people and sharing information. Great, great. I'll make sure I put all of the information in the show notes. So I'm just going to ask you the last few questions. I love to ask uh, everyone that comes on the podcast. Cool. My first one for you, Anthony, is how do you define success? Success is achieving a goal or a marker that you set for yourself. Um, yeah, it's just achieving something that you set for yourself. Today, I want to get a hundred or I want to get a thousand steps in. That's that's my goal. Good Do stuff. I get it or don't I? And hopefully, there's progress because even if I get nine hundred, if it, if I get eight hundred the day before, it still may be a marginal success. <laughs> okay, no wrong answer there. And um, what either book are you currently reading right now or what's your favorite book? Ooh, books. So there is like a business book called Traction that I love. It really deals with, again, because I'm a nerd and a business owner. Um, <laughs> it, it deals with this whole philosophy of how to structure and organize a business. So it's a very business related book. Um, but it takes you through the process of like how to start with your idea, how to scale your idea, and then how to structure that in the various stages that a, a, a business will inevitably go through. So that's my business related book. Um, my non-business related book that I am, I'm like, this is the second, maybe even third time that I've tried to read it, but I haven't finished it, is The Alchemist. And so that's a pretty popular book, Paulo, I forget the last name, mm -hmm. I can't see that far, but The Alchemist, um, it's a short book and I've started it a couple of times and have enjoyed it thoroughly for the parts that I've read, uh, but I've not completed it yet. And so one of my goals <laughs> over the next couple of weeks has been do not come out of this month without completing that book because um, people that I know that like it have said it was a simple book but it was amazing and game -changing. Yes, you got to finish The Alchemist for sure. Okay, so you've read it. <laughs> yes. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and I, I have ended up in the desert and I'm like halfway through the book in the <laughs> desert. I'm like, I got to get out of the desert. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I love to ask this uh, because, you know, um, we cater to beautypreneurs, entrepreneurs. So what is either your favorite tool or app to use in your business? I am obsessed right now with Slack. So Slack is a messaging system. So in particularly in today's pandemic environment, I have a hybrid, my manufacturing employees that work inside of the plant, 
um, are not able to work from home. <laughs> so they are physically in the office, but then our front end staff and support staff are all virtual in most cases. And so we're rotating around when people can and cannot be in the office so that we maintain a safe work environment overall. But Slack is the business because it is basically a messaging system. So instead of sending a bunch of text messages to your cell phone, which can sometimes be so intrusive between blurring work and personal, um, Slack is a system that allows us to message and to create groups and subgroups and still keep communication going in a very fluid manner throughout the course of the day. So I am like all in on Slack. Okay, that's interesting. I've heard of Slack before, but I've never used it. So yeah. It's amazing. Again, and, and for people that work in our office, even freelancers who work outside of the office and creatives, we sign up for Slack. We have a Slack channel and we can then keep an ongoing dialogue of things that we're doing. It doesn't replace email, so it's really quick, fluid conversations. I tell people, if we need to have a thorough discussion, send it in an email, or let's pick up the phone and talk. But for quick things like, hey, what color is this? Or, hey, what did you say last week about this? Because I forgot and I'm trying to respond to a customer. It's great. Awesome, awesome. So, yeah, Anthony, it's been absolutely great chatting with you and having you on the podcast. Like I said, we could definitely talk forever. This is awesome, Brandy. <laughs> I, let me say, I've enjoyed this so, so much. And, and thank you for taking the time to listen to me ramble. You <laughs> some awesome gems. So tell everybody how they can connect with you. Yeah, so I am out in the social media universe. Um, if you're on Instagram, Twitter, you will find me at MCed Anthony. So M S E E D Anthony. So Instagram and Twitter, MCed Anthony. If you're on Facebook, I'm at Anthony Standifer. Um, LinkedIn is also really good because again, I'm running a business, so it's still a great place to do business. So LinkedIn, you'll find me at Anthony Standifer. Um, if you're interested in listening to the podcast, then you'll find that on iTunes and all the places where you find podcast but if you're interested in, in in connecting directly with me then i encourage you to use um probably instagram and linkedin are the places where i sit the most awesome awesome well i'll make sure i include all of that in the show notes and that's all we have for you today everybody and as always stay great and we are out bye thanks for tuning in to the business beauty network podcast Please subscribe and support our podcast. Please share it. Share it with your friends and family. Also connect with us. We want to hear from you. Leave us comments. Let us know what you're enjoying about the podcast. Also email us at bbnetworkpodcast at gmail.com. You can also connect with me on Instagram at I am Brandy Taylor and at Exquisite Looks. We're also on Facebook. And Twitter at Exquisite Looks. And you can check out my website at ExquisiteLooks.com. I really hope to hear from you and connect with you soon. Remember that all things are possible if you only believe. Stay great. <laughs>